Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin Ant, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 3 o'clock p.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 3rd of April 2020. This is episode 227 of Bitcoin and looks like Bitcaches or Bitcoin caches having came a little bit early. <laughs> now, be aware. Uh, I am looking at, or I, I saw this as a screenshot uh, earlier today and I had to go vet it for myself and the vetting that I did did not exactly assuage all my, you know, uh, possibilities that this is not exactly true, but I don't know. It, it wouldn't surprise me, but apparently Bitcoin.com is uh, firing half of their staff. This is according to a website called candor.co, something like that. Uh, let me make sure about that. Is it? Yeah, candor.co, that's C-A-N-D-O-R.co. Uh, they list uh, high, whether uh, whether or not particular companies are hiring, firing, freezing their hires, whatnot like that. Uh, and I was able to at least confirm that the uh, screenshot that I saw did indeed have Bitcoin.com uh, basically letting go half of their staff. Now, the problem here is this. As a unaffiliated with anybody private citizen, I was able to go to candor.com get into their system because it's not like I was even hacking their system. It's just like straight up front on their, on like this particular page that I can just initiate a, a note to candor.com that somebody is hiring or firing. So I don't know. Is, is it possible a whole bunch of people got together and decided to troll Roger Ver? Well, hats off if you did, but it doesn't make it necessarily true. So guys, again, take that one with a grain of salt. Now, Let's get right on into this one. Bitcoin futures volumes hits a two-week high as buyers pile back into BTC. This was written sometime today by William Suberg, or maybe a little bit last night. It's hard to tell. It's a little bit late in the day for me, so just bear with me. Uh, this is out of Cointelegraph. <clears throat> Bitcoin is capturing investor attention once more as future markets hit their highest volume since markets crashed below $4,000. According to data from monitoring resource skew. April 2nd saw the best performance from non-exchange operators of Bitcoin futures since March 16th. CME Group posted $347 million in volume for Thursday, while smaller comp- competitor Back saw $12 million for its physically settled futures and $7.7 million for its cash product. The uptick followed two weeks of lackluster performance. Investors had panicked last month after a downward spiral unraveled across Bitcoin markets, sending the price as low as $3,600 in a matter of hours. Since then, price performance has recovered on Thursday, hitting around 93% versus the March bottom 
as BTC reached $7,170. Investor confidence has returned in record time despite the ongoing uncertainty afflicting traditional markets over the coronavirus. Analysts believe that Bitcoin initially suffered from the epidemic as investors sold funds to cover losses in stocks and elsewhere. For some industry participant participants, current price action at $7,000 was just a foretaste of what is to come. Jonathan Leong, co-founder of C- and CEO of trading platform Bitsy, said he was bullish on the future. He summarized on Twitter, quote, Bitcoin showing extraordinary resilience in what could possibly be the worst economic crisis yet, and is just getting started. Even Bitcoin skeptics continue to pour scorn on the highly controversial government response to the economic uh, impact of coronavirus. Since the United States Federal Reserve injected a record $6 trillion of liquidity into the economy and said that it has infinite money, the spotlight has increasingly focused on the idea that fiat currency is a zero-sum game. Bailing out loss-making or unsustainable business sectors such as airlines with worthless money was just the start of a never-ending cycle, Peter Bug, or Peter Bug, Gold Bug, Peter Schiff warned. On Friday, uh, Peter's pet rock wrote, giving airlines money to keep workers employed they no longer need is not only a waste of taxpayer money, but it leads to a misallocation of labor resources and a less efficient and competitive American airline industry that will be in constant need of future bailouts. I'm not in disagreement with Mr. Peter Schiff on this, even though he does have a tendency to feed his pet rock quite Plainly, uh, I'm sorry. I really shouldn't be all down on gold. It's I actually like precious metals. Okay, uh, honestly, it's come on. If you're gonna hedge a hedge, you might as well hedge a hedge with a hedge, right? Okay. So now, coronavirus stimulus payments set to take months. Americans could wait up to 20 weeks for their coronavirus relief checks. But there are faster alternatives. Oh, joy. This is Liam Frost writing for Decrypt.co sometime this morning. He says the payments from the U.S. government's coronavirus stimulus package won't be sent out for months, according to a House Democratic memo obtained by CNN. The first batch of direct payments from the U.S. coronavirus stimulus bill won't be sent until at least April 13th, and it could take up to 20 weeks for all eligible Americans to receive their paper checks. U.S. Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin has repeatedly stated in the past that money would be sent as soon as April 6th, yet it seems like the delivery has been moved further down the timeline. Yes, just as they kick the can down the road, they are flying our checks like little paper airplanes down said same road. As Decrypt explained previously, U.S. citizens who earn less than $75,000 per year will receive bailout checks of $1,200 per person as part of the coronavirus rescue package signed into effect by President Trump on March the 27th. Need to uh, make it aside here. Uh, that money is taxable, by the way. That's right. They're going to give you $1,200 and you're going to pay taxes on it. So what's my remedy? I'm going to use the money to pay my taxes. <laughs> I mean, I might as well give Sauron what is Sauron's, right? The Internal Revenue Service will reportedly send around 60 million payments initially to Americans who provided direct deposit information in their 2018-2019 tax return papers. Three weeks later, the IRS plans to begin sending out paper checks to people whose information isn't on file, and that will take a lot more time. About 5 million paper checks will be issued per week, taking up to 20 weeks to finish the process. According to the IRS, 
Roughly 150 million Americans are eligible to receive stimulus payments, but only about 70 million have had their direct deposit information on file, meaning that around 80 million taxpayers will have to rely on paper checks. God, I hope there's banks left by the time that we get them, right? Yet even the initial date of April 6th was not soon enough. During the COVID-19 pandemic, according to Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey, as Decrypt reported last week, Dorsey has already urged the Trump administration to let his payments company Square distribute the coronavirus relief packages via its cash app instead of the IRS. Quote, people need help immediately, bitches. No, I'm oh, sorry, that's me. The technology exists to get money to most people today, even to those without bank accounts. Square and many of our peers can get it done. U.S. government, let us help, Dorsey tweeted on March the 27th. Square is already in talks with the United States Treasury attempting to strike a payment deal, according to CNN. Venmo, Cash App's competitor, is also reportedly in negotiation with the Treasury. There was also talk of a digital dollar, which was introduced in the original stimulus bill, although Accenture Managing Director David Treat said it would take too long to introduce. However, if one were introduced, it could make any such payments in the future much faster. Oh, God. When time is of the essence, perhaps the government should look to nascent payment technologies indeed, especially since many of them didn't exist during the last worldwide financial crisis, which was just a mere 12 years ago, people. Who knows how it would turn out if they did, but it seems like China still plans to get there first, and they're linking to the China digital yuan story that is not necessary to read because, yeah. We got better fish to fry, pal. So now this one is going to be out of a Wolfie Zhao. He's writing for Coindesk sometime this morning. Manufacturers mark down Bitcoin miners as price drop and having changed the calculus. Bitcoin mining machines are now on sale. Last month's crash in cryptocurrency prices has prompted manufacturers to sell inventories at a discount, in some cases as steep as 20% over the past few weeks. Both of the newest models and slightly older machines have been marked down. Complicating the matter is the imminent Bitcoin halving in May that will reduce the network's mining reward by half, causing most miners to be less profitable if Bitcoin's price doesn't increase significantly by then. For instance, DJ Miner, an overseas distributor for Shenzhen, China-based MicroBT, was advertising about $2,500 per unit of the manufacturer's flagship What's Miner M30S early last month. After Bitcoin's March 12th crash, the worst sell-off in seven years, the price has now cut 20% to $2,000 per unit. The What's Miner M20S, a less advanced but popular model that boosted MicroBT's market share against major rival Bitmain in 2019, is also seeing a 20% price cut from $1,679 to the now $1,340. DJ Miner's website shows Panglio mine or wait, Pangolin, Pangolin miners, sorry, Pangolin miners, another distributor for MicroBT, shows similar pricing rollbacks on its website as well. Similarly, while Bitmain is advertising $1,567 for its AmpMiner S17 Plus, with a computing power of 67 terahashes per second, various resellers are posting quotes on WeChat, seen by Coindesk at around $1,300 per unit. The Beijing-based mining giant has previously announced the pricing for its latest flagship AmpMiner S19 Pro at about $2,900 per unit, but the shipment won't take place until May and so far is only available for investors inside China. 
It is important to note that the most specialized Bitcoin computers, known as ASICs, had already been dropping in price since the fourth quarter of last year as the manufacturers adjusted their strategies in line with Bitcoin's price swing. These machines are priced assuming it would take the buyers on average 15 months to make back their equipment investment. Holding the payback period relatively constant, manufacturers would adjust those prices of their equipment according to Bitcoin's market price and the level of competition on the network, the two factors that determine how much revenue a miner can generate in a day. Miner pricing data compiled by research startup TokenSight, sorry, Token Insight, although I like TokenSight better, that'd be better. Better name, I think. Uh, shows that, for example, the What's Miner M20S and the Ant Miner S17 Pro were priced at around $2,400 and $3,000 respectively in mid October of 2019. The price for both had dropped to around $1,500 as of March 10th. Jeez, it's a fire sale over there, buddies. Oh, uh, ASIC miners have experienced a relatively large market devaluation since uh, fourth quarter 2019. However, the miner market has found some level of pricing floor d during Q1 of 2020, despite the recent crypto market downturn, said Token Insight analyst Johnson Zhu. Some experienced miners are currently looking to purchase some secondhand ASICs at a significant discount based on their carefully structured model. Blockware Solutions, a reseller of Bitcoin ASIC miners in North America that also operates mining facilities, said in a recent research report that the market crash in March, together with the coming halving, has led to a significant decrease of Bitcoin's mining compute power. <laughs> Not according to my shit, but whatever. Which in the long run could be an encouraging sign for the market's efficiency. Quote, if Bitcoin remains at lower price levels for two to four months post halving, many miners operating at a loss will be forced to shut off. Blockware said, quote, after all the miners that are operating at a loss are shut off, the miners that survive experience uh, significant margin relief. We will witness a network in short-term chaos, but difficulty adjustments will reinstate stability once the efficient miners are indeed shut off. The firm also believes after the Bitcoin network experience sustained favorable competition adjustments, the likelihood of a bottom in Bitcoin's price is enhanced. Quote, this is because newly mined Bitcoin is now being distributed to and accumulated by the most efficient miners with healthy balance sheets. The amount of Bitcoin that the surviving miners receive are directly proportional to the amount of Bitcoin that was being distributed to the miners that have shut off. These rare lucrative opportunities allow surviving miners to accumulate copious amounts of Bitcoin. That's going to do it for the end of the article. Mining death spiral incoming? Shit, I don't think so, pal. <clears throat> We've been through this before. The statement that was made about if the price doesn't increase, you know, two to four months after the halving, Welcome to Bitcoin. This is what happened last time. There was not a significant price increase for a while, maybe not four months, but it was based, I remember the price being basically flat. I mean, the halving came and it was like, the next day was like, uh, nothing's different. The day after that, and then weeks after that, and it was like, meh. And then it started going up. So, and looking back through the other charts, I don't remember, there's only been three happenings, and I don't think after any one of them did it, the price do anything but basically kind of be lackadaisical for a while after the halving, and in some case, you know, in a couple of cases, quite a while after the halving, but be that as it may, you can take this for what you will. Pandemic 
is changing Bitcoin usage in unexpected ways, says, uh, says Chainalysis. Marie Pouliot, writing for Cointelegraph sometime yesterday, leading blockchain intelligence firm Chainalysis has found that the COVID-19 pandemic and global economic contraction is affecting Bitcoin consumer habits in surprising ways. In a new report published on March the 30th, Chainalysis details how Bitcoin spending tends or trends in three areas, merchant services, uh, gambling and dark net marketplaces have changed or even reversed. Sell, sell, sell. There you go. Chain analysis reported that one such change in trend shows resilience among Bitcoin merchant services in the current economic crisis. For example, the firm's data for uh, Bitcoin spending using merchant services from July 2019 until March 9, 2020 reveals that there was a strong positive correlation between price and expenditure. The more Bitcoin is worth, the more likely holders are to spend it. Since the COVID-19 outbreak, the positive correlation has weakened by roughly half and the total value of expenditure has declined. While this indicates that Bitcoin holders are indeed spending less during Bitcoin's recent decline in value, this decrease is less dramatic than might otherwise have been expected. This is because since the outbreak, the strength of the correlation between price and behavior has also itself weakened. So, while Bitcoin's decline in price continues to lead to reduced spending, it does not do so as significantly as it would have done in pre-pandemic times. A weakened correlation means that the price does it does or that what the price does is not dictating consumer behavior as strongly as it was before. Most conspicuous of all is a change in user behavior on dark net marketplaces, which usually has only a weak negative correlation to Bitcoin's price. Since the outbreak, however, this correlation has reversed and strengthened, leading to a significant decrease in dark net market revenue. Chain analysis points to possible external factors to explain this trend. Nothing that elicits substances such as recreational drugs may be harder to come by due to the impact of disrupted supply chains worldwide. Quote, Recent reports point out that Mexican drug cartels are having a harder time sourcing fentanyl as China's Hubei province, a hub of the global fentanyl trade, has been hit hard by the epicenter of the outbreak. Such disruptions could be hampering dark net market <coughs> vendors' ability to do business. End quote. With gambling, its marginally positive correlation to Bitcoin price has corrected to zero since early March 2020, signaling that there appears to be no discernible impact of the pandemic on gamblers' behaviors. Goddamn degenerates. <laughs> Chain analysis closes its report, its report, noting that with China's gradual comeback from the domestic COVID-19 crisis, dark net activity now appears to be seeing a gradual recovery there in January of 2020. A chain analysis report revealed that the volume of cryptocurrency flows on darknet markets had doubled in 2019 for the first time in four years. Okay, is it also possible that maybe during all this, people just don't give a shit about doing stuff that's bad for them? Is it possible that maybe we're looking around going, you know, maybe I should drink less. Maybe I shouldn't eat that full bag of chips. Maybe I should do some exercise. Maybe I should, you know, maybe, maybe there's some positive stuff coming out of this. I mean, honestly, it's, it's possible. It's possible, right? Okay. Bull Bitcoin unveils liquid Canadian dollar payments. The new vouchers from the Francis Pouliot-led company could accelerate the adoption of Bitcoin in Canada. 
This is Frank Cardona. He's writing this for Decrypt.co sometime yesterday. He says the Bitcoin standard may be on its way to Canada. Oh, Canada. Bull Bitcoin, a Montreal-based Bitcoin exchange, released Liquid Canadian Dollars, or LCAD, on Blockstream's Liquid Network on Thursday. Liquid is a sidechain used for settling Bitcoin transactions. The new peer-to-peer voucher is denominated in Canadian dollars, but can only be redeemed for Bitcoin. The company said it is not a stable coin or a security, but a closed-loop Bitcoin prepaid card like a gift card. The toxic Bitcoin maximalist behind bull Bitcoin, Francis Pouliot, said in a blog that a drop of blood was chosen as the logo for LCAD. <laughs> Jeez, Francis. Because bull, bull Bitcoin's objective is to accelerate fiat bleed, a phenomenon described in an essay by Pierre Rochard on how Bitcoin will drive out weak currencies and force hyper-Bitcoinization around the world. To do this first in Canada, bull Bitcoin blurred the line between Bitcoin and the Canadian dollar. Since the vouchers are denominated in Canadian dollars, a merchant can account for payments as with fiat currency. However, they are forced to buy Bitcoin to receive its underlying value. Merchants also benefit from confidential and irreversible transactions on liquid liquid network with no custody fees since no intermediaries are required for the exchange. One simple use case the company envisions is paying workers with Bitcoin. Since LCAT is regulated as a prepaid card in Quebec, or Quebec, workers could determine when to exchange them. The vouchers can also be traded on secondary markets, meaning they could be traded for other assets, but the underlying backing can only be purchased from bull Bitcoin and its partners. The company said that, unlike with stablecoins, which often make money for custodians through fees and interest, bull Bitcoin will only profit through driving more Bitcoin sales to their exchange. Okay. The new vouchers can now be acquired exclusively through Bull Bitcoin or other liquidity providers like AquaNow, as well as by merchants who begin accepting LCAD as payment through Blockstream's green wallet, which can be integrated with open source payment processors like, oh yeah, baby, BTC pay server. If full, if Bull Bitcoin has its way, Montreal and Canada <laughs> may become BTC maximalist strongholds in North America. Duders. Make way for the Citadels. That's going to do it for round one of the snooze that you can use. Okay, vital statistics here. We've got the S&P 500. At, it's off 1.5%. And as far as I can tell, I think all the mar- major markets, are, they're all closed for the United States. But yeah, S&P 500 off by one and a half percentage points. NASDAQ off by the same. Dow Jones Industrials is off almost by the same 1.69 percentage point down. FTSE is down 1.18%. And it looked earlier today, it looked like it was much worse, but it looks like it's kind of recovered a little bit today. Uh, all most of the bonds are actually up. German ten-year uh, bond is still negative territory, zero point four three on the minus. The uh, three-month bond is back to a tenth of a percent yield, and the thirty-year bond is finally up. It's up over one percent. It's yielding one point two two percent. 
Oil had a hell of a day, man. It's up 13.5%. It had a $3 and 44, uh, change to the up price change to the upside on a barrel of crude oils. Last was $28 and 76 cents. Uh, that's yeah, that's, that's a hell of a move. Now, Bitcoin was kind of like going through some, some gyrations today. Right now it's at 6,796. We've only had 283,000 transactions on the chain over the last 24 hours. However, that gives us a number of transactions per hour, averaging about 12,930,000 BTC were sent in the last 24 hours with 38,777 BTC being sent on average per hour. 3.28 BTC is the average transaction value, while 0.048 BTC is the median transaction value. That's right at about 328 bucks. Block times are a little high, 10 minutes and 26 seconds. We have 0.18 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and 25.75 BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. We've had a 2.3% drop in hash rate, but we are still above 100 according to BitInfo charts. We'll see what my node uh, has to say in a second. But uh, it looks like we're at 102.7 exahashes per second. And the last time nobody did anything on Bitcoin was sometime today. Ethereum is at 142, Bcash at 238, BSV at God only for whatever reason is at 179. Litecoin is at $40.68, Ethereum Classic is at $5.11, and Dogecoin gets a bump, 0.0019. At 33,000 transactions the last 24 hours, Dogecoin beats the shit out of Litecoin. Somehow, Bcash got some of its transaction volume back. I Maybe they've got a weather app of their own nowadays. I don't know. Now, my node is, in fact, reflecting a uh, sub 100 exahash hash rate. Mine says 95 exahashes per second. We have 27 uh, megabytes in the mempool. That represents 9,327 unconfirmed transactions. Miners are being pretty cool. For the last 10 blocks, all of the blocks are full. On to Lightning Network. Total capacity is 931.6 BTC. That is $6.3 million in liquidity. The total number of nodes is 6,652, representing 36,279 payment channels. Tor capacity is back up to 40.4%, and that is 375.9 BTC. We have 1,931 Tor-powered lightning nodes. That's going to do it for Vitals. All right, welcome to the afternoon roundup part two. Uh, this goes along with what I was saying about oil prices. Oil prices surge impressive 24% after Trump tells about possible Saudi-Russian agreement. This is out of coinspeaker.com, written by Bushan Akilar, or sorry, Akilar. It's the best I'm going to be able to do for you guys. I'm pronouncing that one. Um, let's see, where are we at on here? Yep, yep, yep. Looks like they're going to try to strike a deal. U.S. President Donald Trump told CNBC that he talked to his counterparts in Russia 
and Saudi Arabia to work out a solution for the crashing oil market. Saudi Arabia has called for an urgent meeting between OPEC and its allies. Oil price went up. You guys are not going to be able to do good memes like we can, okay? So give it up. And by the way, Saudi, if you didn't want this shit to happen, maybe you shouldn't have gone to price, uh, into a price war with freaking Russia. I'm just, just thinking out loud, man. Just saying. Oil markets have been under constant pressure after the OPEC and non-OPEC allies failed to reach an agreement on cutting down the oil production to meant slowing global demand. On Thursday, the Brent crude price crashed to $22 per barrel. Besides, some analysts have also hinted for the crude prices going to 10 and also the possibility of turning negative. It's like math just doesn't work anymore. But in good news for the oil markets, United States President Donald Trump told CNBC that Saudi and Russia are soon to end the oil price war. Yeah, I call bullshit. This news has brought back some hope for the oil markets with renewed optimism in the large... <laughs> sorry, that's also called a bull trap. Just saying. In the largest percentage gain in a single day, the West Texas Intermediate Crude Futures jumped 20%, ending at $25 and 32 cents per barrel. This is a much needed breather since West Texas Intermediate has already dropped 59% this year. The international benchmark Brent crude also jumped by nearly 18% to trade above 29 bucks per barrel. Speaking to CNBC's Joel Kiernan, 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 K-E-R-M-E-N is how they have his name spelled here. It's not. It's, it's got, you spelt it wrong. President Trump said that he had a fruitful discussion with his Russia and Saudi counterparts. Uh, he thus expects that the two would soon agree to announce cutting down $10 million, uh, 10 million barrels per day of oil production. Speaking on Trump's move, Dallas Fed President Robert Kaplan said, quote, it'll be very welcomed by the industry in the short run. As long as the coronavirus continues, there's just a substantial amount of excess capacity being generated every day. It will be particularly helpful as we come out of this virus and will speed the time, hopefully, where the supply demand for oil can get back into balance. On Thursday, Saudi Arabia called for an urgent meeting between OPEC and its allies. The official announcement, as per the Saudi press agency, stated, quote, Today, the kingdom, yeah, screw your kingdom, calls for an urgent meeting of OPEC plus group and other countries with aim of reaching a fair agreement to restore the desired balance of oil markets. RBC commodity strategist Helima Croft said that the U.S. could also have to cut their oil production in return. Croft said, quote, what we know is the Saudis were looking at this through the lens of the financial crisis and believe they needed a response commensurate to August of 09, where, uh, sorry, we know there's an emergency OPEC meeting. They will be looking for signs that U.S. production will be curtailed. They will be watching what happens with the Texas Railroad Commission and with Canada, despite the 24% gain in oil prices, some traders are still skeptical about whether such a cut suggested by President Trump is feasible. Eurasia Group's either said that the possible path forward is a large OPEC plus supply cut that is complemented by a United States cut. Ah, screw you guys. That's what I got to say. Kamel also suggested that the meeting can possibly conclude with no deal. Honestly, that's kind of what I, what I expect. Quote, even if OPEC plus producers reach such an agreement without participation from the United States, the volume of cuts would be much more limited and below 
10 million dollar or 10 million barrels per day. So I don't know. It sounds to me like it's 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 bull trap, honestly. So if you guys are planning on going long oil, I wouldn't just yet because uh, God only knows what the hell is going to happen. But one of the things that w- that was certain to happen is gullible idiots getting taken in by a fucking April Fool's joke. Not lying. Monero pumps 10% on link to Satoshi Nakamoto. The, pr- the price of Monero is up today. Could it be based on an April Fool's joke suggesting Monero was written by Satoshi Nakamoto? Well, Daniel Phillips from Decrypt.co, it certainly wouldn't surprise me. The amount of stupidity in this space is almost unbearable at times. The price of Monero has increased 10% of the last in the last day to reach $53.54. Jesus. Monero now has a market cap of $940 million, up more than $90 million overnight. Please shoot me now. Honestly, uh, in the last month, Monero has gradually climbed the market capitalization rankings, jumping from 14th place at the beginning of March up to its current position of 12th place. This happened because Monero was one of the least affected cryptocurrencies during the crash mid-March, and it also recouped its losses faster than most, yet it's still down 20% over the past week. Although the exact cause behind the pump is unclear, it may be owed to recently published research by Monero Outreach, which... In an April Fool's Day joke, suggested that Monero may have been created by Satoshi Nakamoto, the anonymous entity behind Bitcoin. Stylometrics analysis found strong similarities between original Bitcoin white paper authored by Satoshi and the Monero white paper authored by Nicholas Van Saberhagen, another pseudonymous entity. But not all of the links are that convincing. One of the similarities is that both papers use the phrase in this paper, we, end quote, not exactly a smoking gun. <laughs> Jesus. The rest of the cryptocurrency market is also shine, So showing signs of growth today with gains of three to 5% seen across the board. Monero, however, is currently leading the market with its 10% growth and is rapidly closing in on Unus said Leo the 11th largest cryptocurrency by market capitalization and yeah totally worthy of a train wreck that won't be the last time you hear that noise today but my god almighty people get a grip 10% because somebody wrote a joke I'm I'm serious. We we talk about oh well, it's an, we're anti-fragile. <laughs> no, we're not. We're we are not anti-fragile. Not with somebody with a freaking pen, a couple of sheets of paper, a computer, and an email system would be able to write this damn thing as a joke, telling people at the end of the thing that it was indeed a joke and still getting a 10% bump in price. That's not anti-fragile, okay? So just take that as you will along with this. Bitcoin now legal in South Korea, India, and at par with fiat in France. Alex Lee Lotcher is writing for BraveNewCoin.com sometime today. 
Against a grim macro outlook, there was some good regulatory news last month. The French court ruled that Bitcoin is now a legally recognized currency. The Indian Supreme Court overturned India's crypto banking ban and South Korea has now fully legalized crypto assets within its borders. <clears throat> Regulators have always been a risk to Bitcoin. Keeping an eye on regulatory developments is therefore high on the agenda of Bitcoin enthusiasts, entrepreneurs, and investors. Fortunately, last month saw a number of countries make positive regulatory moves. A French court decided that Bitcoin is a legally recognized currency, while the Indian Supreme Court overturned the Indian Central Bank's crypto banking ban. Additionally, South Korea has now fully legalized crypto assets within its borders. The French newspaper, Les Echos, reported on March the 5th that the Tribunal de Commerce de Nature, a commercial court, has determined that Bitcoin is a fungible, intangible asset. As such, it is de facto on par with fiat currency, which falls under the same categorization in France. The impact of this ruling is positive for French blockchain entrepreneurs as it will facilitate payments in digital currency as well as the creation of crypto-based financial products. Moreover, it has the potential to increase the public perception of crypto as a whole. The decision arose from a dispute between Paris-based digital asset exchange Paymium and digital asset manager Bitspread over a 1,000 BTC loan and the non-repayment of funds created through a 2017 Bitcoin hard fork that birthed the abomination Bitcoin Cash. Abomination was me, sorry. Herbert von Veldepipe. No, that's not going to happen. A lawyer at Kramer and Levin told Les Echos, the scope of this decision is considerable because it allows Bitcoin to be treated like money or other financial instruments. It will, therefore, facilitate Bitcoin's transactions, such as lending or repo transactions, which are growing and thus favor the liquidity of the cryptocurrency market. <clears throat> In a much-anticipated landmark ruling, the Supreme Court of India overturned the Reserve Bank and giving them the middle finger Sorry, of India's order to prevent banks from providing banking services to individuals and businesses that deal in cryptocurrency. Quote, the position is that virtual currencies are not banned, but the trading in VCs and the functioning of VC exchanges are sent to comatose by the impugned circular by disconnecting their lifeline. Namely, what is worse is that it has been done, one, despite RBI not finding anything wrong with the way that these exchanges function, and two, despite RBI not finding anything wrong about the way in which these exchanges function, and two, despite the fact that VCs are not banned. You said two twice. Jeez, whatever. As a result, digital asset businesses in India can now legally interact with the country's banking sector to provide rupee to crypto on and off ramps. This is a huge win for the country's blockchain industry and potentially for the global crypto markets as the demand potential for digital gold could be substantial in a country that adores gold. And no shit, do, the, do they adore gold? The excitement about the ruling could be felt when scrolling through crypto Twitter. On the day following the ruling, Nichelle Shetty, the founder and CEO of the digital asset exchange Wazirix, which was recently acquired by Binance, tweeted, Crypto has won in India. We won. Woohoo! We won, bro! While celebrations are merited, the Indian crypto community still has to wait for a pending bill that would restrict the trade and use of cryptographic assets before it really starts to get out the champagne. 
On March the 5th, the South Korean National Assembly passed new legislation that can be described as the most comprehensive national crypto asset legislation we have seen to date. The amendment to the act on reporting and use of specific financial information fully recognizes cryptographic assets as part of the country's financial system and, as such, legalizes the trading and holding of digital assets. While South Korea was already one of the biggest trading hubs and global blockchain innovation centers, the new regulation is poised to path the way for more crypto companies setting up shops in the Asian nation, while traditional financial companies now have the legal framework to also compete in this market. The new legislation will mean more regulation to adhere to, which may cost companies more in legal and compliance cost. Ah, that's why you did it. However, for investors, the South Korean crypto market is about to become much safer. And that's going to do it for the end of that article. But it makes sense for you guys to go ahead and capitulate and let this show get on the road. I'm, so, I'm, just, I'm just saying, man, it's time to put up the stupidity. Revolut Standard. Users can now access cryptocurrency feature. This is Christina Common writing for Bitcoinist.com. Sometime yesterday, one of Europe's largest and most successful fintech startups. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> successful fintech companies is getting serious about taking cryptocurrencies to the masses. Today, its users received an email advising them of the company's cryptocurrency feature is now available for Revolut standard users. Great news! Our cryptocurrency feature is now available for Revolut standard users. We will also be making our gold feature available to standard customers later in April, so keep an eye out. And that was their, their, uh, their press release. On back into the actual article itself, the email also said it would be making its gold feature available to the customers this month as well. The company that offers faster and more efficient banking services, a fee-free currency exchange, stock trading, a cryptocurrency exchange, and peer-to-peer -peer trading seems to be serious about opening its users' eyes to alternatives to fiat currencies. Revolut thrusts its users' attention to an unprecedented round of quantitative easing that are going on around the world and how that leads to currency devaluation. The company reminds its users that they now have an alternative available in the form of cryptocurrencies. Bitcoin makes an excellent store of value since its purchasing power will never be eroded by inflation of its supply. Central banks cannot step in and adjust its monetary policy as they do with fiat. The company will also expose its traditional user base to gold later this month. In this way, they can quote-unquote diversify their portfolios as the United States Federal Reserve pledged to print some $6 trillion and the Bank of England offered an unlimited amount of money printing, or rather supply expansion, also known as BRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRR
Oh, well, the end result is the same. QE leads to currency devaluation and Revolut wants to make its users aware. The company has repeatedly shown a commitment to furthering financial education. Just a couple of weeks ago, Revolut launched a money app to help children, oh God, understand how to manage money. Now that its cryptocurrency feature will be available to all, standard users and younger generations will be able to understand the problems of the existing system and discover available alternatives. Act a problem with your daughter. Binance announces a mining pool 40 days before the happening. Oh, indubitably great timing there, pals. Let's see what uh, Ashwath Balakrishnan has to say two days ago for the crypto briefing. He says the crypto exchange is already a validator for various proof-of-stake piece-of-shit networks. Now they're adding a mining pool for proof-of-work coins like Bitcoin, which is honestly the only really decent game in town. Binance is adding yet another service to its product line, and in doing so is signaling its ambition to continue expanding within the cryptocurrency industry like a metastasizing tumor. Sorry. In the last two days, Binance has allegedly struck a deal to acquire CoinMarketCap, which it ultimately did. Both moves bring about centralization concerns as Binance and Coinbase jointly operate a lot of vital infrastructure for the cryptocurrency industry. <clears throat> Binance has an immediate edge over competitors because of its existing user base of over 15 million accounts. Gradually, Binance is turning into a one-stop shop for retail investors from spot and derivatives trading to staking and mining and even a debit card. Binance has become one of the most important companies in crypto. Jeez. Yeah. When you, well, when you put it like that, how could it not? With the having just a few months away, Binance led by an unwavering Bitcoin bull might be joining the mining game to take advantage of BTC price appreciation that is estimated over the next two years. BNB stands to gain a lot from Binance's rapid expansion plans. If the company continues to use a portion of revenue to market by BNB and burn it, it could lead to a strong price appreciation as revenue grows and supply shrinks. Meanwhile, Bitcoin's third halving event will take place in roughly 40 days. This date could come earlier or later, however, based on any changes to BTC's mining algorithm. Yeah, that's what they're talking about there, uh, changes to the algorithm. They're talking about the difficulty adjustment, not changes to the algorithm itself, <laughs> because that, <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> Sorry, just it's just kind of funny when... People get shit like that wrong. Anyway, that's going to do it for the snooze. You can use number twos. Hey, remember what I was saying about uh, that dude that was on uh, uh, Marty Bent's Tales from the Crypt episode talking about gold and I, I couldn't remember his name? I do now because he's all over Twitter right now and not in a good way. He is, in fact, bringing you today's daily train wrecked. Seriously, man. <laughs> Seriously. It just is bad. It's really bad. Um, Roy Seabag is the gentleman's name. That was on a recent episode of Marty Bent's Tales from the Crypt. Now, I liked that episode. However, I did not realize that back in the day, uh, Mr. Seabag was indeed one of the shittiest 
of the shit coiners that there ever was. In fact, he gives us this from December 20, 2017. Remember, think about that date. December the 20th, 2017. Roy Seabag says, Bcash, simply the better crypto, waiting for 10 hours now for a BTC transaction to confirm. With BCH, no issues. Well, hopefully add BCH to gold money soon. I got a present for you, Roy. I got a present for you. Yep. Yep. Oh, Roy. Roy, Roy, Roy. Now remember, this was from back in 2017. I just think it's that he was yet one of the masses of people that got caught up in the bullshit in the month of December of 2017 when everything was going on. Everything was on fire. I mean, the Bitcoin's price was going through the roof. Transaction times were also going through the roof. Transaction fees were over the top. Everybody was bitching and it completely fed in to help the narrative of with that summer launch or the ninja launch of uh, Bcash. It's the whole thing's freaking ridiculous. Okay. So it even caught him. Now I'm going to get, I'm going to cut Roy Seabag a break. Uh, Vortex called him out on this tweet. Now, remember this tweet was like, have been like riding around since 2017 and literally was out there in the ocean of tweets, you know, basically doing nothing for, you know, literal years until somebody picked it up and retweeted it. And I can't remember who retweeted it first, but once it got picked up and retweeted, oh my God, you got Bitcoin Posada, get, you know, getting into this. We've got Indus 3 getting into this. Carpe Noctum is getting into this. And then the one vortex, he says, Eight hours ago. Now remember, all these, all these, these tweets that I'm talking about, these, all these people that are getting into this, this was all today or late last night, right? Or very, very, very early this morning. Literally, nobody knew about this tweet until somebody uncovered it after Roy went on Marty Bent. And so I guess that means if anybody goes on Marty Bent, maybe you should clean up your Twitter shit beforehand because <laughs> somebody's going to dig through it and find out that you said something stupid. So one Vortex or Vortex says, how's that BCH position working out for you, Roy? Roy was actually good enough uh, to respond. He said, like any human being, I make mistakes and even say stupid things on Twitter. Perusing every tweet will produce more. At the time, it worked out very well. See Gold Money's crypto gain in Q4 of 2017. And I won't, he, he takes a, a swipe at Vortex that I'm not going to read because I, I don't, I don't need the petty bullshit, but at least he did realize that this is, this kind of shit is a mistake. And yeah, dude, this is, this is why we Bitcoin and why we don't shitcoin. Because if for whatever reason we get our, our, our you know, noses in a snoot and start you know, getting all in a frenzy about Bitcoin because of X, Y, and Z reason and say, finally say shit like Tron is better or whatever. The second we do that, the second that we shelve the ethic, you kind of toast. So beware about doing that shit. If you get good and pissed off at Bitcoin, instead of saying stupid shit, take a break. 
go on a hike, go on a four week vacation, learn how to go scuba or something like that. I don't know, but for God's sakes, don't end up being another freaking train wreck on this program. Okay. Now this particular bad joke is not brought to you by, um, anybody, but well, it's not brought to you by the normal outlets. This is actually from uh, the crypto feed uh, at the underscore crypto underscore feed. Uh, bringing this from a Monero user, and I, it's from it's actually from the Monero subreddit. Uh, why didn't the Monero user want to buy a Chrysler? Because he hated fiat. telling you man bad jokes come from everywhere they they do honestly and that's about as esoteric as it gets so and esotericism is basically what makes uh a bad joke well it's what makes a good bad joke bad honestly because you kind of cut out half the people that can understand it but whatever uh chicken report got down to 29 degrees last night since we had the heat lamp installed into the chicken coop outside, chickens are fine. But I don't think that at their size, honestly, I don't think that they would have been had we not had the heat lamp installed in there. So for any of you guys that are thinking seriously about doing some backyard chickens, um, you know, keep that kind of shit in mind. If you start stuff out early in the spring, you know, this kind of shit could have this kind of shit could have easily, you know, being where I live, it could have easily shot down into the teens. Uh, it's, it's not, it's not like it hasn't happened before. And even then in like, uh, you know, in a 10, 13, 15 degree weather, uh, even a heat lamp may not have actually made the difference. So we also, um, it's, it's my fault that I wasn't actually looking at the weather report and that's actually going to change every night from now on before I go to bed until it becomes like, you know, heavy duty summer. Um, I'll be looking at the uh, weather forecast to make sure that we're not in for one of our weird um, northern freight trains that have a tendency to shoot down before, you know, without any warning before anybody knows about it. Because when I woke up this morning, I was like, oh, shit. So. Again, with that in mind, if you guys are planning on doing this, all aspects, you know, the stuff that you don't, the stuff that you take for granted is going to come out of the woodwork and seek to destroy what chickens that you do have. Anyway, that's going to do it. Y'all have a, have a good weekend and watch out for the weirdness. Uh, get, I guess since now, now, since the government said it's okay for, uh, for us to wear masks. I guess we can get some masks, but since we haven't been wearing masks and those of us that aren't dead are still not dead, I, I don't know. I get confused. Screw it. I'm just going to see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.